Good evening. We're so glad that you have been able to look in tonight here at Shepherd's Gate as we continue to celebrate Holy Week. I'd ask you, if you would, first to join with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do come to you tonight. We pray and ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word, that we might receive it, and then grant us the grace, O Lord, to live it each and every day. We pray and ask, O Lord, that I may not misspeak it. We pray in your most holy name. Amen. I invite you this evening to maybe get out your Bible or your iPhone or wherever you have the Bible stored and turn to John chapter 15. That is where we're going to be headed tonight as we continue Holy Week series all around. And we do have some stories going on around us every day in our daily life that are impacting us because of COVID-19. We hear the stories of those who are suffering and we continue to pray for them. We hear the stories of the doctors and the nurses and the firemen, the policemen, those who are battling this this disease, this, this thing every day. But there are stories that are also going on in daily life that are also impactful on us. Some of those stories I've had the blessing of hearing over the last couple of weeks. One that I, for instance, one that I just heard last night talking to a parent who has young children. And they were explaining to me that because of being quarantined, because of sheltering in place, that they and their family, in spite of all that goes on uh, during the day with the children running around the house and being a parent and being a teacher and sometimes the things that the kids get into and despite all of that that they're dealing with, they are learning to come together to be family. They're learning to be family all over again and how they are actually, actually eating eating dinner every night around the table as they prepare dinner. How before they were so busy with work and coming home and picking the children up from daycare that they are now realizing that they were so busy. But now they are learning to be that family and to gather around that table to talk and to pray and to eat together. Tonight, as we continue our series all around here at Shepherd's Gate, Last Sunday, we heard all that had happened around Jerusalem as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday. Then in the Bible, we read about what happened on Monday, how Jesus went into Jerusalem again, and on that day, how he cleared out the temple, got angry at the money changers, and called it, told them that they were turning his house into a den of thieves. On Tuesday... Jesus went back to the temple, spent all day in the temple. It's called the day of controversy, where Jesus taught in the temple. And there the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those who were plotting against him tried to challenge him in his teachings. But each and every time as they challenged him, Jesus made them out to be just exactly who they were, that they had turned his word into a religion and that they had turned it into false teachings. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened on Wednesday. It's silent. But now comes Thursday. Comes Thursday evening. And as you and I, as we gather together tonight, we gather together as family, wherever we may be. Perhaps you are around your table at home or in your family room gathered, and yet you're comfortable and you're safe. But wherever you may be, we gather as family. I'd like to take you back 2,000 years 
2,000 years to that gathering of another family, the followers of Jesus Christ, as they gathered around a table to celebrate what was called the Passover meal. The Passover meal was celebrated every spring. And it was celebrated to remind the children of Israel, the Jews, of the time that God delivered them from captivity in Egypt. God had commanded, God had sent Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And it was that Passover that when the angel passed over and the children of Israel were saved because they had the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, God commanded his people to remember that time every year in this Passover meal. And that's what Jesus and his disciples are gathering to celebrate on what we call Monday, Thursday. As they gathered to celebrate this Passover meal, the plot to kill Jesus was already in progress. Jesus had told his disciples that this would be the last time that he would be celebrating this Passover meal with them before he had to suffer. He has been rejected by many, and the people that were against him were determined to kill him. As they gathered for this meal, the disciples probably thought that they were going to be celebrating a Passover meal like they had celebrated all, over all of the years. But they were wrong because this Passover meal turned out to be one like they had never experienced before. They gathered around the table. And as they gathered at the table with his 12 friends, Jesus spoke these words to them. He said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Think about this. As they sat down around this table, Jesus knew, Jesus knew that he was about to suffer, that he was about to come to sacrifice for all people, for you and for me. Making this the last Passover celebration in which they were looking forward to the Messiah, and yet he was still eager. He wanted to share this meal with them. He wasn't rushed. Even the news of the betrayal and all that was going on around him did not affect him. You have to remember that Jesus was both God and man and that he experienced all of the anxiety and that comes with the suffering that he was about to experience, yet he was able to lay that all aside to spend time with his family. He earnestly desires to welcome his friends to a table. What could this mean for our stories? What could this mean for your story and for my story with all that we have going on around us? Jesus reclined at the table, reclined at the table, help those, how could this help those who don't feel invited to the table to feel welcome? You know, the most detailed account that we have of what went on in that upper room around that table that night is found in the Gospel of John, John chapter 15. In the first eight verses, in John chapter 15, verses one through eight, this is what we read. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So what is it that we're reading there? What is it that we're reading there in the first eight verses of John chapter 15? What we read is how you and I are connected to Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the vine, and that to be truly alive, to be truly alive is to be connected to Jesus in both our bodies and our souls. And that connection that we have with Christ being the vine and us being connected to him, that connection that we have with him, it's vital and it's real. Christ is the vine and his disciples, you and myself, then and now are the branches vitally connected to him and bearing fruit under his care. Our connection to Jesus, again, is real. It's not imaginary, but it's a fact. It's a truth. Being connected to Jesus brings spiritual life that will bear fruit. This connection with Jesus, however, brings with it a few things. One of the things that this connection with Jesus brings is pruning. We read in verse 2, every branch that does, bears fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. For those of you who garden, you know that pruning something helps it to grow and to bear even more fruit or more flowers than it had before. And the vine dresser goes about doing this diligent work so that they can bear the fruit. And that's what Christ does for us, is that he prunes us out of love for us. God uses the trials and the things that we go through, the sufferings that we go through, not to harm us, not to harm us, but as the devil and the world would intend, but for our welfare, that we might be driven back to Jesus Christ, that we might be driven back to him. You know, I'm a human being, and in my life, I too experience anxiety, I experience fear, and perhaps like you, as we have gone through uh, this whole COVID-19 pandemic, you have had those times that that has overcome to you, that you have experienced anxiety or fear. But these things that we go through are designed to draw us back to Jesus. He uses them for our good. He draws, think about what's going on in the church today. With all that's going on in the world, more and more people are tuning in to online worship services than ever before. God uses these things to draw us back to him. I remember when I was growing up, I was born in 1953. And for those who were born around that time and before, you remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. That Cuban Missile Crisis, I was just a young guy, and we were taught to hide under, there was a time when Russia had planted nuclear missiles in Cuba. And those missiles were pointed 
at the eastern part of the United States, and we were told that if they launched them, we would only have minutes, minutes left. And we would go through drills and hide under our desks, and it was on the news all night. President Kennedy was pushing back at Russia and Khrushchev, and he put a barricade around Cuba to keep the Russian Navy from approaching Cuba. And the result was that that crisis was diffused. But, but during that crisis, I remember the churches were packed. I remember having to set up chairs so that all the people could be in worship. Christ uses these things to draw us back to him, to remind us of who he is and that he is the one that is in control so that we may not leave him or harden our hearts and stop bearing fruit and end up being cut off. He reminds us in John chapter 15 too that he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. That's a sobering warning. That's a sobering warning for us. He tells us there are five kinds of harm that can come to those who don't remain in him. You and I, when we become disconnected from Jesus, like a flower that is disconnected from Jesus, we begin to wither. That disconnection happens when we think that we're connected to Jesus because of our work and not because of what Christ has done for us. We become disconnected from Jesus and begin to wither when we think it's about us instead of being about Jesus. Christ is the vine. In John chapter 4, John, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, there are four times that Jesus speaks of remaining in him and he in us. And that's good news for you and for me when we become anxious, when we become disconnected from Jesus. He says to us, remain in me. Remaining in Jesus is all about his grace. In verse 3, he says, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. You and I are forgiven by means of Christ's word of forgiveness, not because of the pruning, not because of suffering. Forgiveness is by his grace and his grace alone. It's not by our works. Forgiveness is not ours because of the fruit that we bear. The forgiveness that we have in Christ and the grace that Christ extends to us brings healing and it brings spiritual growth. We are weak and we are sinful. If we remain in him in faith and cling to him, he forgives. If you and I suffer a tear, a break in the branch, but remain in him, we are forgiven and we are healed. A number of years ago, when Sue and I it's 1987. And in the different homes that we have lived in, everywhere we have lived, we've planted a tree. We've planted a tree. In 1987, the home that we lived in, uh, Sue's mom and dad live on a lake up in Port Huron. And one day we were up there in the summertime, and for some reason, the maple trees were growing in the beach, these little seedlings. And we took one out of the beach, and we brought it home, and we planted it um, at the home that we were living in at the time. And the seedling took root and began to grow. It was in that first winter, and that tree was only about that high. And I had put little uh, fencing around it so that it wouldn't get uh, mowed down by the lawnmower and protected from the kids that were playing in the area. Well, that first winter that that seedling was with us, the snowplow came along and hit it. 
and buried it. And we just waited. We waited all winter. And when spring came, when spring came, it began to show the seedling laying on its side and split right down the middle. I found another useful purpose for duct tape. <laughs> I went in the house and I replanted that seedling and I binded the trunk together with duct tape and put the fence around it and everything. Recently, I went back to that house and I took a picture of what that tree looks like today. And this is it on your screen. Strong, healthy, growing, providing shade. That's an illustration for you and for me of what Christ does in our life and the healing that can come to us by his grace. That when we are buried by all of the things that we have going on in our life, perhaps we're carrying some guilt with us. Perhaps we're experiencing some sort of um, anxiety or fear of what's going on in the world today, whatever it might be. Whenever we feel buried like that, we turn to Christ. He will come and he will melt all that is around us. He will replant us. He will bind us up and we will grow in him. And that's all by his grace. He says in verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. We are connected. We are connected to one another. In verses nine through 17 of chapter 15, we read, as the father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Think about that. Think about verse 12. My command is this, that you love as I have loved you. Christ is speaking not only to his disciples 2,000 years ago, gathered around that table, but he's speaking to you and he is speaking to me. All who are connected to God, the Father through him. He who calls his friends about being connected to one another and how that connection is made. He tells us after we have become his branches and now abide in him, to hold together in love as he has loved us. What does that connection look like? What does that love connection look like among us? If we believe in Jesus, who loved us and gave his life for us, we will reflect this love in our attitude for one another and all people. We'll be friendly and helpful to them and bear their faults with patience and with gentleness. Jesus is commanding us to prove our faith by serving and helping 
one another, promoting their welfare. And if we do this, we do what Jesus has asked of us. He wants our lives to give tangible evidence of our love toward one another. It pleases him if as members of one body under one head, we show love for one another and that we be faithful, that we tell the good news, the gospel to those who we run into in our daily lives, that we be open about it. Don't be afraid to share it. There are people out there right now that need to hear it. Just the other day, I was out in the yard doing some yard work and getting some fresh air. And here comes my neighbor walking her dog. She stopped. We talked for a second. I asked her, how was she doing? And right there, she began to cry. Her son was a registered nurse at Royal Oak Beaumont. She had fear for him. We talked. I shared the gospel, shared Jesus with her, told her that we would pray for her. Be open. Be open to what God has in front of you each and every day, the people that he's putting there, and to share his love with them as they gather around. Be of help to others in service. Right now, during this pandemic, we can be of help to those around us, our neighbors, who perhaps can't get out. Ask them if there's something they need from the store as we go out and we get it for them. I'm learning that the grass-cutting companies, the landscaping companies are not allowed to cut grass right now. And there are many in our lives, in our neighborhoods, the elderly or whoever that cannot cut their own grass that are going to need to have that done. In a simple, small way, perhaps we can reach out to them with the love of Christ in his name and offer to cut their grass and to do some leaf raking. We love others. We don't stir up factions and divisions and thereby destroy that love. It is true. It is true that we have become his friends through his blood that he shed on the cross. It is still necessary, however, for us to show real friendship toward one another. Otherwise, this friendship will be false and will amount to nothing. You and I are connected. And indeed, we are connected to the whole world around us. Our stories are connected to all people. If there's one thing that this pandemic hasn't proven, has proven, is that this whole world is connected in one way or another. Our connection to Jesus Christ is through his word, through him and faith in him. Connected to God the Father through Christ and connected to one another through the love of Christ in us. So we go out to spend the rest of our day tomorrow, the weekend, and the weeks ahead. We are going to overcome. We are going to overcome what we face. Christ is with us. We continue to share that love in the connection that he has with us by his grace. Normally, on a Monday, Thursday, we would gather together here in this sanctuary and we would celebrate Holy Communion. Part of that time would be a confession of sin, an absolution, a forgiveness of sin. So tonight, even though we cannot gather here in worship and receive the Lord's Supper, which is something that I think that we're learning, can you imagine, think about this, think about what that first time that we're together, again, and we will be, we will be together again, but that first time that we are together again and we celebrate Holy Communion, oh, 
how wonderful that's going to be. But tonight I want to reassure you of something. That we receive the forgiveness of sins, the same forgiveness of sins that we receive in Holy Communion. We receive it through Christ, through his word, through the gospel, through faith, knowing that our sins are forgiven. So tonight, if you just join with me as we confess our sins and receive that forgiveness. Father in heaven, we come to you tonight and we confess to you that we are sinners, that there have been so often in our daily life that we have become disconnected from you, the vine, that we have not gathered around your table. This might be in a way that we've acted toward others, what we've said, what we have thought in our desires. We confess that to you tonight, Jesus. We confess our sins. And we take a moment just now to do that in our hearts. We thank you, Jesus, for your love. We thank you for going to the cross for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now there's something I want you to hear. I want you to hear these words that I'm about to say. Take them to heart. Believe them. On account of your confession, your sins are forgiven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Depart in peace this night. Amen. God bless you.